0: Let us pray together. On this Friday, Jesus, you were arrested while praying. You were abandoned by your closest friends. On this Friday, Jesus, you were unfairly accused and viciously mocked by the lives of those whose very breath you had given. On this Friday, Jesus, your chosen leader of the disciples denied that He even knew you three times. On this Friday, Jesus, in your silence and refusal to defend yourself, you became a sacrificial lamb. On this Friday, Jesus, you were beaten and flogged with a leather strip that held bits of metal, shards of glass and chips of bone that tore at your flesh. On this Friday, Jesus, a thorny crown was pressed into Your scalp that ridiculed Your kingship. On this Friday, Jesus, You were nailed to a common cross, a public spectacle of shame, an object of the crowd's fascination and the recipient of the terrible wrath of God. On this Friday, Jesus, You said, Father, forgive them. And on this Friday, Jesus, You said, Father, why have You forsaken Me? On this Friday, Jesus, You refused to summon the angels for help, but received the just penalty for the sins of Your people. On this Friday, Jesus, You hung on that cross until You succumbed to that last enemy to death itself. On this Friday, Jesus, You offered Yourself up, being put in the place of sinners that You might save as many as would put their faith and trust in You. On this Friday, Jesus, You healed us. On this Friday, Jesus, You put the world of sin to death and began a new world of grace. As those who rejoice in Good Friday, Jesus, help us to testify to the grace it brings by our words of hope and our deeds of mercy among our families, our community, our city, and in this world. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
1: At that climactic moment that David just read for us of Jesus' death, Jesus felt utterly forsaken. Sure, before that point he'd been dismissed by the religious leaders, he'd been rejected by those who should have been following him, he'd been unjustly convicted, he'd been beaten and abused and mocked, but now there was something more. He felt he was abandoned by God. All of the comfort and the... Confidence that God had placed upon him through his entire life on this earth was now gone. He felt alone and exposed and rejected. He was completely abandoned. It was three o'clock in the afternoon and it was dark. Probably a storm had rolled into Jerusalem with lightning flashes and thunder rolling in the distance. Perhaps there was even a breeze kicking up the dust all around the outskirts of Jerusalem. And the crowd that had been watching this crucifixion had mostly dispersed. There were just a few people there left watching these three people hang on the cross. It must have been a contrast for Mary. Remembering Jesus' birth and the light bursting forth in the dark night with stars and angels and now the daytime covered over with darkness at His death. And Jesus in His anguish cries out, He cries out in His despair, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was perhaps the only verse in the entire Bible that would have perfectly described exactly what Jesus was feeling at that moment. And the people who were watching this crucifixion could hear it in His voice. They were used to seeing crucifixions, but they'd never seen one quite like this. Normally, people would have been begging. would have been begging for mercy, for a quick death, and yet Jesus was quiet He was defiant. He was accepting the pain, not asking that anybody would remove it for him. But somebody went and grabbed a pole and stuck a sponge into a wine jug and lifted it up, whispering, Jesus, here, drink. Maybe it was a disciple. Scriptures don't tell us. Maybe it was Mary, his mother. Maybe it was a Roman. Maybe it was just too dark at that moment to really discern who it was the shape, the figure that was moving towards Jesus in the dark. It was an act of mercy. It was care for this suffering one, something to dull the pain, something to ease this man's anguish. And then somebody else in the crowd said, Well, let's see if Elijah will come and rescue him. This was an old legend that. The prophet Elijah would return and rescue the godly person in their distress. Maybe they were mocking him. Maybe it was sincere. But in that moment, it was clear to everyone and it was clear to Jesus that he was suffering the full weight of abandonment. The despair of humanity's sin placed squarely upon his own shoulders. And there was nobody there who was going to be able to help him. You know, I think some of you can probably appreciate the experience of such extreme despair, the experience of being forsaken and abandoned. Some of you have had a spouse or a parent walk out on you. Some of you have been betrayed by a friend. Some of you have had something or someone that was utterly precious to you ripped out of your grasp and taken. Some of you have had your body abused for the pleasure of other people, and in that moment you feel utterly alone. You you are not physically alone, but you feel alone. You feel betrayed and forsaken by everyone else. There's a feeling that is almost palpable. It's physical. You want to cry out in the pain. In that moment, there is no future, there's no solution to the problem, In that moment is only pain and despair. And that's exactly what Jesus was experiencing in that moment when He called out. Not all of you have experienced that kind of pain, perhaps. But the chances are, at some point, you will. At some point all of us will experience that feeling of being powerlessly subject to forces that we cannot control and that are pressing down upon us and we feel the weight of this world's severity. If you haven't experienced it, you probably will because we are simply human because we live in this world and despair is the plight of the human life the power of sin and death hangs over all of our lives like a fog sometimes sometimes it's thick sometimes it's thin we as humans routinely do damage and even destroy both other people as well as ourselves we saw that this week with the senselessness of terrorism we see it in The anger and the alienation and the dissatisfaction that many of you have with those who are your closest relationships. You see it in the destructiveness of addiction and suicide that seems so rampant in our seemingly, or at least what they tell us, is our prosperous and blessed society. And yet, the despair of sin is here. We can't escape it. And Jesus, in that moment, saw it. Jesus looked square in the face at the despair of sin, and he didn't turn away. He saw it, and he looked at it. Jesus in that moment looks squarely at the despair that is present in your life, the sin and the death and the failure that is in your life. He saw it and He didn't look away. One of the great mistakes that I made as a high school student was taking a date to see Schindler's List. We cried through most of the movie. If you are too young or have not seen the movie, it came out in the early 90s. It was a beautiful but brutal film. It follows the life of a man named Oscar Schindler who at the beginning of World War II was a greedy businessman and sought to make money by exploiting the desperation of the Jewish people in Eastern Europe, in Poland. And he... Uh, He extorted their desperation by getting cheap labor and brought Jews into his factory. But what happened as the intensification of the extermination of Jewish people in Poland uh, became so apparent is he began to see what was happening. He saw the death camps, he saw the wickedness, he saw the cruelty. And once he saw it, he couldn't unsee it. <laughs> he couldn't look away. He couldn't pretend like it wasn't really happening. And so he began buying the Nazis off and buying Jews that would come and work in his factory. And he was they, in, the, in working in his factory, they were saved from the fires of Auschwitz. And over time, he began to buy so many of them, he began to spend his own money. He began to spend his own reputation. He began to spend his, his own position in society to gather more and more and more Jews under his factory roofs. And what happened by the end of the war is that he had exhausted every possession that he had. He had spent everything that he had. He was utterly emptied of possession, and yet... He had gained about 1,100 Jewish people. He saw them and he couldn't look away. And in a similar way, Jesus looked fully into the face of human despair, which is caused by our sin and rebellion against what God has commanded, and he didn't look away, he saw it. And then he acted. And Oscar Schindler could see the plight of the Jewish people, but he could never become a Jew. But Jesus, in seeing the plight of humanity, did not just see it and act on our behalf, but he actually entered into it. He became a man. He became one of us. He entered the despair of our broken condition and took it upon himself. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says that Jesus became despair. He became sin for us. We could say it this way that Jesus, in coming, became for us the one who has suffered the most tragic of losses. Jesus became the one who has been abused by others. He became the one who was broken by the power of sin in this world. He became it in order to destroy it. At the cross of Jesus, if it is nothing else, it is a testimony that there is healing and there is hope for those who despair of their life in this world. For those who suffer the despair of loss, of, of having unfulfilled desires that seem to be just outside of their grasp, the cross of Jesus declares that there is hope for you. That there is hope for that person because Jesus has come. That we will find one day the satisfaction that has eluded us for this life. For the one who's Sin and rebellion besets them in such a way that they feel that brokenness in their relationships. They feel as though the brokenness just sticks to them. There is hope for healing and forgiveness and restoration. Because Jesus has taken that sin upon Himself and has utterly removed the power of it. At that climactic moment of Jesus' death, he took human despair upon himself and he cried out, as John tells us, It is finished. Some might have heard that cry as as the cry of a lost cause, the cry of a defeat, but it wasn't. It was the cry of victory, it was the cry of strength, it was a, a cry of an accomplishment. And all the world around Jesus proclaimed that fact. Mark tells us that that the earth trembled beneath them. That the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. This 20 foot high curtain was ripped apart. That a centurion, a a Roman centurion cried out, indeed this must be the Son of God. It wasn't some criminal. This was, at that moment, all of the created order crying out that the fabric of this world has been turned upon its head, that something has now torn it apart and replaced it with something different. The despair of sin and death, the tyranny of sin and death no longer reigns in this world. Life reigns because of Jesus. we could say that in that moment, Jesus took despair and sin and our failures and our losses and our unmet dreams and hopes and expectations and our rebelliousness and the pain that we both experience and we have caused In this world, he placed it on his shoulders, and as he died, he dragged it down to the grave with him. And as Isaiah calls out through the ages to us, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come to the place where there is life. Everyone who longs for forgiveness Come to this cross of Jesus. Everyone who longs for hope, come to this place of despair. Everyone who longs for life, come to this place of death. Come to this Jesus. That's what Jesus is calling out to us. At that moment, the climactic moment of his death, he is calling out, to you and to me to come because here is life. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You turned Your face away from Your Son that He might give us life. And in Him we find all of that life, I pray that You, by the power of Your Spirit, would enable us to come unto You. That You would see us, and know us, and welcome us to life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.